0: Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom. Uh, That is not Nathan Drinkard you see on the screen. That is Cody Ward. I'm with Cody Ward today, and I am Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. Uh, As you well know, our show is on Anchor. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, and I can't even even list all the places we're at. We're just everywhere. But if you're looking for us in the video format, if that's more of your thing, you can find us on the Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel and streaming live on the ColorCast app. Uh, Drink is... um, Drake is in Virginia. He is part of that uh, snowstorm monstrosity in Northern VA. Uh, so he's he's dealing with that, no power and all the, su- and all the likes. Um, is that a part of climate change? Well, we don't know. But in the meantime, we do have Cody Ward here helping us out. What's going on brother? Good to have you. Oh man, good to be
1: here. Glad I could fill in today. Uh broadcasting here from Florida. I mean, it's, it was like 60 today. I'm really feeling drinks pain. It was rough. I'm, <laughs> I, we're all suffering together as the celebrities have been saying for two years, but um, no, I'm doing well. Hope you should be back uh, soon, but I uh, hope he's doing well and uh, hope you had a good Christmas, New Year's, all that stuff and i um, looking forward
0: to getting to it today. Yes. And speaking of that, why don't we go ahead and do that? This is episode 29. We're going to talk Big Ben week 17 and we'll recap the college football blowout semifinals because they were blowouts, in fact, but we're, we're going to start with um, our, our favorite mercurial wide receiver. That would be one Antonio Brown, still still t- at this hour, an employee of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though when we last saw him on Sunday, he was walking off the field, throwing clothes into the stands and all the rest of it. Uh, lots of reports coming out. We, at first, we thought maybe it was a uh, contract dispute, wasn't a, was benched, wasn't allowed to meet incentives. And now, Ian Rappaport uh, later would say um, it was due to Antonio Brown saying his ankle uh, wasn't good uh, good enough to play. Bucks coaches told him to get in the game. He didn't want to play, uh, so then they told him to leave. So he did leave, but uh, he left in a uh, in a cloud of smoke and a whole bunch of theatrical uh, foolishness. Uh, and, uh, Cody, what is your what is your take on all of this?
1: My, my take is that it just. It just kind of is disappointing, man, in, in, the, in the whole scheme of things, right? Because there, you always want to see people get like. I, I get this isn't really Antonio Brown's second chance; it's more like his third or fourth. I'm starting to lose count, but but you know you always like to see the redemption story—the guy that you know has a long run, then falls on hard times, and they, you know there's all you always want to believe there's a you can get people to come back, be better than they were, and, and have another chance and. You know, you really thought after Brown got with the Bucks, got with all these longtime guys and Arians and Brady, and he had all the leadership and all, like, the, the best situation you could possibly be in. Like, it, the Bucks would be kind of like the Nick Saban rehabilitation clinic, right, for coaches. You know, like, no matter how bad it is for you, you go there, you get a chance to get right. You know, the guy goes to the Super Bowl. I think he got a touchdown in the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. It seems like he's turning it around. And then all the clownery starts back up this year. You know, he did get hurt, you know, pretty, pretty understandable. But then, uh, you know, he has the vaccination card issue and all that foolishness. It cost him three more games. He finally comes back. And, and at this point in his career, he's still productive. I mean, it's not like he's out there just kind of getting a catch here and there. I mean, he's had 200-yard games this year. He had a 100-yard game just last week. It's not like he's not producing. But then you get in this game on Sunday where he – Rips off his jersey. You got Mike Evans talking to him. O.J. howard's talking to him. The coach is talking to him, and he just takes off all his clothes, size his pants, and just leaves the field. <laughs> like, like, and it's just the most just theatrical, bombastic, just, just screw you. Like we we've seen in a while. I mean, there was the the fellow last year for the Bills that retired at halftime, but at least he did it quiet. He just you know got his stuff. And, he just Took off. You know, he didn't. He didn't have all the pageantry that came with it. I saw. I and, saw. A t- um,
0: I saw a tweet on that actually. It said uh, at least AB waited into the third quarter. So hey, in he that did. case, I he's mean, better than Bonte. The he's offense
1: bad. was on the field. You can see like in the <laughs> video, Brady and them were huddled up like, and they're looking at him like what is that a fan did? uh, No, that's a, Oh no, that's a B. Um, But yeah, it's, it's really disappointing to see, because like we were talking about pre-show, you know, this guy could have been a, he could have walked into the hall of fame. I mean, he could have, he would have kept it up. He'd have been an easy hall of fame, maybe in a first ballot, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not, but he would have definitely been a hall of famer, no doubt. Now that's absolutely in question. But, um, and we still don't really know what exactly happened because it came out earlier, you know, like on Sunday and early yesterday, you know, oh, it was all about money and contract incentives and the bucks benched him. But then, you know, last night Ian Rappaport was talking about an NFL network about, no, it was more about, um, the ankle injury that he had cost him a lot of the games this year or cams back. And then the ankles on hundred percent. And, you know, they're talking about, um, basically Antonio Brown claims that Bruce then told him to play in the third quarter. And he said, he wasn't good to go. Bruce said, of course, you know, uh, no one told him to play injured, but he didn't tell us he was hurt. So you never know on that. And it's one of those things, of course, where it's like, okay, are you hurt or are you not? It's not both. You can't claim you're hurt, but then not go get treatment, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And it's not only a disappointment for just Antonio Brown in general, but it's a big disappointment for the Bucs. I mean, they were going to need him. I mean, they're definitely going to miss his services for their upcoming playoff run. You know, Chris Godwin's on the IR. They still got a few guys, but Mike Evans isn't always the most reliable guy on earth when it comes to injuries and behind him, you've got, you know, Tyler Johnson and Cyril Grayson and uh, Scotty Miller. Like, you know, you got a, a, merry band of dudes, but Antonio Brown could have been really productive in these playoffs instead he's going to be courtside watching the nets lose all uh, the playoffs i guess I, I, don't, I don't know um but overall man it, it's it, it it like i said it really sucks because you really thought like okay this is the best opportunity for him and it, it's it's a black eye on the bucks it's a black eye on him it's a black eye on the nfl because this has anything to do with There's a lot of talk about like all the, oh, the cte stuff you know he's got head injuries maybe he does I don't know. Maybe he's just a diva and a jerk, or maybe he does have serious medical issues, but if it is the latter and he really does have these issues, it looks bad on the NFL that one, they're letting the guy play to the guys, not getting help. He needs And three, that this is something that keeps coming up over and over with him. So yeah, it, it's uh it's disappointing to say the least, but um, at the end of the day, are you really that surprised? I'm not. No, uh, no, I,
0: I'm not surprised at th- with the, a couple of years ago, this thing really started to break down. It actually uh, was really the main story when this program actually began. You had Antonio Brown. I think a Brown, our first episode was in it when Antonio Brown uh, was kicked out of uh, Oakland when the Raiders were still there. I freed. he runs out of his yeah, house. And, yeah, yeah, just, that. yeah. Just, a, just that was right. You know, you remember like I think the the last week he played or he was on the Steelers roster. He just like I think he just didn't play that game, and then that was it. Pittsburgh had enough of him. I want to say they trade they did trade him to the Raiders. They I'm pretty sure they did. They got some some type of pickback for him, and then the Raiders I want to say gave him a they gave him a new contract, but well, they gave him they gave him something, and he never played for them. They, you had the 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 cryotherapy with the with the feet all messed up. You had he got into it with Mike Mayock, uh, the general manager. Helmet thing too, right?
1: And you have the helmet thing where he didn't want to wear the certain helmet type. Yeah, the the
0: helmet was the helmet was an issue. It it, it gets that that was a couple years ago, and it was just such a circus for so many months. Then you then he goes to New England. He plays one game, and then I want to say you had uh, some sort of sexual harassment assault allegations. Trainer, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had that come out, and that was you know, and then he was gone for what the rest of that season, then Tampa Bay brings him in last year. It was pretty quiet. Um, didn't really, I don't think much happened last year. So you kind of, you kind of thought, well, maybe, maybe, okay, Tom, this is Tom Brady, Tom Brady. We know how much Tom Brady wanted this guy. He wanted him in new England. He goes to Tampa. He bring. not only does he bring grunt with him, he gets that guy off the couch out of retirement, but he gets a B for a second time and they win a super bowl. And then you think, man, maybe the Antonio Brown clown show is over. Uh, no, apparently it had just begun. It. I. I like how you open. Uh, open up. I think it is disappointing, because um, I think, I think you, you do like a good redemption story, and this is this is cert- certainly the country to get one. And you talk about guys with uh, you know Hall of Fame talent as Antonio Brown did, has, and he's not the only one. Like the name Josh Gordon comes to mind. You know, when when you have talent, you are afforded. You know, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I don't know what chance this is. It's certainly not the second. Um, the, if America is the land of second chances, the NFL is the land of fifth, sixth, seventh elemental P chances. I mean, it's just foolish. Um, but I, I, I was I was pretty hard on Antonio Brown after the the way he left uh, the Raiders, uh, the way he left the Patriots. I thought that should have been it. Uh, but. As we say, I mean, when you have talent like that, you keep coming back. But um, I think you really, I, I really got to sit here again and question: Is this the last time we'll see Antonio Brown play again? And it, it's to me, it's interesting how this is all playing out now. Because common sense would tell you that, okay, he walked off the field like that. Why is he still on your roster? Apparently, there's some considerations you have to go in. Like, the, obviously, the Bucks are concerned that they'll cut him, and then somebody will swoop in somebody in the NFC probably scoop him up and you know uh, Aaron Rodgers would love to have another guy throw the football too I'm sure not that not that anyone would though because it's I mean one week left in the season you'd have to come in learn a new playbook and all that And I don't know if anyone wants to deal with this level of headache um, at this point but obviously still something for the Bucks to be concerned about because you don't want to let the guy go and then have to play him in the playoffs and he's just you know dancing all over your secondary which is not all that impressive to say the least. Um, but I, I, I do think, you know, there is some there is some level of detail that we are missing here because, you know, Bruce Arians is out here in the press con- in the press conferences saying, uh, well, I didn't know he was injured or I didn't think he was too injured. So there, there's some detail that we're missing here. I think if you were willing to take Antonio Brown at his word and say that the coaches, the coaching staff was just trying to force him back in the game, I mean, I think that I think that changes things somewhat, even though I think the just the way it happened and the way we just live in the, the society of instant gratification and just the, those first tweets and those first headlines that just roll off really kind of you know set the narrative off and then people you know they don't really pay attention to the complete story that comes out later. but um you know that that's certainly a shame. but I think but either way, even if you take Antonio Brown. At his word and the coaches told him to leave you don't have you don't have to leave that way you know that You people i think people want to compare um so at, at some point antonio brown to terrell owens terrell owens was nothing like this terrell owens was mouthy he said a lot of things he was he had all the touchdown celebrations there was a lot of foolishness that came with to he was the, he was the, you know the pro, prototype diva receiver but he was never this he he was Uh, Antonio Brown I mean there's a lot of medical like experts that all of a sudden pop out the woodwork when stuff starts happening like this and you have I I see so many like you know pictures and gifts of Antonio Brown getting laid out by Vontez Burford all those years ago like this is when it all started oh is it doc you know the thing about it is if you want to bring up the CTE and obviously neither of us are qualified to go into that at all I don't think you know 99.9 on on down none not many people are qualified to talk about that but i am the reason i'm skeptical of that is from the little bit that i know cte comes with repeated head trauma repeated head trauma and antonio brown would happen to be a wide receiver you, you're not even allowed to hit those guys that hard that much anymore so you can to me i think it's pretty weak and it's it's um it's a little bit outside, uh, you know, what I'd be willing to believe that say, oh, that one hit, and it just derailed the rest of the man's life. At some point, like, you got to call, you got to call it for what it is. Antonio Brown, uh, he, he's not what I'd like to call um, a high character individual. That That's just what, what we have here. And, uh, you know, you do wish him well. Um, you hope he, you do hope he gets the help that he needs if he is indeed dealing with some mental health issues. If you're doing all this, I, I would hope he has some issues because that the other explanation is just, he's just not a very good person. Um, not to say that that would be breaking news. I mean, there's a lot of bad people walking around. You know, it is what it is. But um, I, I do think, you know, I will take issue with Tom Brady for, for one thing, for what he said after the press conference, like everybody needs to be uh, compassionate and all this. You Listen, you bring the, compa- you bring the compassion, I'm gonna bring the smoke. I, I, I almost call it like I see it, but I do feel for Tom Brady because this is a guy who vouched for Antonio Brown. He obviously wanted him. He, I think, in New England, he had Antonio Brown living with him, and um, it is a shame because I hadn't even thought of the actual football ramifications. Because the Tampa Bay Bucks, um, I, I hate to tell, I hate to tell the people in Tampa, but uh, y'all not repeating this year because Chris Godwin is a very big loss. Now you ha- don't have Antonio Brown. Yeah, it's uh, it's Mike Evans and a bunch of question marks out there. You know, I know Scotty Miller had his one, you know, one thing, the halftime of the before halftime against Kevin King when, you know, Mike Pettin was still employed. But um, I don't see it. I don't see it happening again. And I think the the Bucks defense isn't quite as sharp as they were. I, I don't think that secondary is you know overplaying or, or playing up to what they played last year. And um, let's let's face it. I mean, you saw it um, a couple of weeks ago when Mike Evans was out, Godwin was out, Fournette was out. Uh, they were embarrassed by the New Orleans Saints. You know, when they have all their weapons at Brady's disposal, they're forced to be reckoned with. But now that it's just Mike Evans on the outside, uh, I don't think that's near enough. I think that the Bucks are in trouble. And um, yeah, um, you, you mentioned the, the Hall of Fame argument for Antonio Brown. Yeah, uh, yeah, you can miss me with that. Uh, you, I don't think you can have a guy in the Hall of Fame that, um, that that perhaps if this is the last time we see Antonio Brown, you can't have that in the Hall of Fame. You just can't. And it is a shame because you look at, you look at what he was doing just up within three years ago. This guy is like 3,000 yards short of, I want to say, fourth all-time in receiving yards. And that was three years ago. You know, And he hasn't, you got to think in the last three years, he ain't even played all that much. So, yeah, your, your, your assessment of, you know, his Hall of Fame uh, prospects are right on. This guy, you know, if he'd have kept his nose clean, did what he's supposed to do, this guy would have, I, I think, broken – I think he would have broken every record. I, he may not have caught Jerry Rice, but he would, he would have been second on the all-time list of receiving yards, no question. Yeah, he would. And like, like we were talking about
1: pre-show too. I said, you know, if you took his resume, right, even right now, and you just took the name off and you said a blank name and you said, is this guy a Hall of Famer, you, you'd have to sit there and really think about it. And I, mean, I know some people would say, yeah, eventually, you know, I wouldn't put him in first, second ballot, but I mean, eventually he comes around three or four more times. Yeah. But now, I mean, man, there's no way the NFL is going to is gonna let him in. I mean, it took them forever to put T.O. in. And like you were right. saying, T.O. was just a class clown. T.O. knew the line. I mean, Tony Brown's that kid that's actually getting thrown out, going to the detention, getting expelled you know down the line so there is a difference there in those
0: comparisons. to also and to also had the super bowl where he like played on a, a a busted leg or whatever was something was something was broken or something uh ab out here oh my ankle hurt oh oh really okay uh yeah I, I don't know but yeah i yeah you can't you can't get in the hall of fame cutting up like this
1: All right, Jay, we're going to go ahead and stay sort of in the realm of Antonio Brown. We're going to go over to Pittsburgh and uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger. He played his final game at Heinz Field on Monday Night Football, a 26-14 win over the Browns, Uh, kind of fitting for your last win as a Steeler. Wasn't super impressive, 24-46 for just 123 yards, but they did win the game, so is what it is there. And uh, Big Ben, of course, is now looking down retirement if they don't get into the playoffs, which is still possible. They've got to get help from some unlikely sources but it could happen but um but it's kind of prompted everybody to start really thinking of the the legacy of of big ben and the Steelers during the 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 run there and um so just as a whole you know what, what have you thought about big ben's career and legacy today as a Steeler and what he's done for that organization
0: well i think um you know, you are, you are correct. We talked about a guy who had Hall of Fame talent in the uh, last, last segment, but uh, I don't think, I don't think he's getting in, especially if this is the end of the line, but uh, uh, Big Ben, on the other hand, um, you know, Big Big Ben, uh, he had, remember he had his struggles, you know, in the early part of his career. I think the year after the Super Bowl, you had, he was in a motorcycle accident, and then he had some, some sort of legal troubles um, as well, but like, you know since then it's been uh, it, uh, big ben really hadn't been in the news for the wrong reasons for what the past uh 15 years maybe so big ben took his second chance and he uh he, he rolled with it he won he's a two-time champion uh six-time pro bowler he's you know they rolled the list on the broadcast last night you know i think he's uh what fifth in wins fifth in touchdowns you know he's top 10 in a lot of categories the thing um the thing I always come back to, you know, for Big Ben is uh, he was drafted in that draft class with Eli Manning, who went first overall, and then Phillip Rivers, who went uh, a couple spots after him, I believe. So that's who I always, you know, stack Big Ben up. And I think Big Ben, uh, Big Ben's, uh, he had a better career than both of them, I think. For Phillip Rivers, uh, Phillip Rivers was a prolific passer in the regular season, uh, but he never won anything. Eli Manning was... Um, Eli Manning was cooked like what three or four years ago. He was done. You know he's on he's on the couch with his brother broadcasting the game last night on ESPN two. So um, yeah, that he now Eli did win two Super Bowls in heroic fashion. He saved us from Tom Brady having nine championships. We get all that, but um, Eli Manning. You know you talk about just if you slap Eli Manning's resume like do the thing you do with Antonio Brown. You just throw Eli Manning's resume on down and you say, is that a guy a Hall of Famer? Uh, I don't, I don't think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer, even with the two Super Bowls, you know, I just don't, I just don't think you've done enough over the course of your career, you know, to you know, uh, get that level of respect and that and that, uh, that honor, which is still a big honor if you, you put out
1: he had the regular season
0: success of rivers and the postseason season yeah, success of, that's, of Manning. that's that's yeah that's exactly that what i'm getting that's exactly yeah. what i'm getting at B- big ben is both of them put together um he had got the two super bowls um and he also you know prolif- prolific passer as i said he's up on some of those all-time lists with some of those all-time greats and i think um now you could argue that and this goes back to the Steelers over the the part of the last decade, like they they underachieved lately. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, you talk about you had Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and you never really won anything of of substance, then I think, you know, I I think there's the the second half of Big Ben's career, I think it is somewhat of a disappointment, But, but even so, I mean, the guy accomplished a whole lot. He's part of that Mike Tomlin thing where they've never had a losing season in Mike Tomlin's tenure. So you have that going for you, and I think um, the, th- the I think the greatest comment you could give to Big Ben as I think um, I think he made, and this is this is a dying breed. You got to think about it this way: that you're not seeing a lot of these prototypical pocket guys anymore in the NFL that just make their living in the pocket and just what you know. Big Ben's pocket presence, his ability to shed defenders, and just throw with people on his back seemingly. I don't know if we ever see another quarterback do that that just embodies, you know, the level of toughness that Big Ben brought to the table. He was a, a prototype stealer. I think he was built to play for that city. And uh, the, the only other quarterback that comes to mind when you talk about that level of, of toughness is a great is the late great Steve McNair, um, at least that I've seen play. Um, so I think, you know, that his toughness, his leadership, uh, he's a winner. He's a two time champion. I think, I think Big Ben's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, it is disappointing that his career, uh, you know, it didn't end, you know, in a blaze of glory, I la Peyton Manning or John Elway. But then again, though, th- those are kind of anomalies in itself. You know, guys, when they're on their last legs, they're not playing at their best. The thing I did love about last night was his, his – I, I don't think he played that great, but what I did love was his team played great. Najee Harris was great last night. His offensive line blocked great last night. And good Lord, that defense was just all over Baker Mayfield. You're talking about pitching the tent in the, the, the backfield. There was a full on campsite back there. I think they had about nine sacks. It was
1: like nine. Yeah. Uh,
0: nine yeah. Sacks. So yeah. I, I, I do have to say this, got to, be, got to be consistent. I said the same thing after Demarius Thomas died. When you trying to pay tribute to a dude, it helps if you plan a team that's a little bit questionable. The Broncos—the last time they won a game which was a couple of weeks ago—and I said I wasn't gonna make it, this about the Broncos, and I'm not. But they beat Detroit 38-10. It was beautiful. You had the turnovers. You had it, it as best best game they played all year. And uh, yeah, Cleveland was right for it last night because that team is uh, that that team is a dead man walking. Beckham Bayfield gonna have surgery and all that. I don't even know Lewis Riddick. I don't agree with Lewis Riddick on a whole lot, but he was right on the money last night. Where is Nick Chubb? Where is he? And I guess he's dealing with a rib injury. But uh, listen, Cleveland was eliminated. Uh, they obviously didn't look like they was all that interested, especially that offense, which is just, and you can't blame it on Odell anymore. But the point is, when you when you trying to come up with a tribute for a guy, it helps to be playing the right opponent and uh, good for Big Ben and good for the Steelers uh, for getting it done and hitting what, Will, uh, will likely be his final home game.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, Alabama schedules something like Mercer. It's always the homecoming game. You know, it's like makes <laughs> from homecoming opponents a little more, <laughs> yeah. little, a little more soft for the, for the, the poking. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. Um. I think Big Ben exemplifies what you generally want to have happen when you draft a franchise quarterback, right? Like at the end of the day, Big Ben is the dream when your team selects a quarterback in the top five, top 10, I think he was what 11th or something is where was he 11th, went in the yeah. draft, but, um, but you know, a guy in the top 15, like a guy, you know, okay, this is the guy we're gonna get the keys to. He was everything, you know, legal troubles aside, of course, but he was everything you would ever want your franchise quarterback. He was durable. He was a leader. Um, He won you two rings. He won 66% of his games, almost 67% of his games. He was 164, 81. And he had the tie and he played at least 12 games. Like you said, the toughness in every season, except 2019 where he was out with that elbow injury. I mean, the guy was the definition of everything you want your franchise quarterback. You know, he had years where he was a little down and they were running the ball more. Their defense was good. I mean, he always had good teams around him. Um, but it was it was truly what you, as a fan, always hope for when your team gets your next guy that you're going to turn – that's going to turn into. You know, sustained success, Super Bowls, playoff runs. They went to five AFC title games. Um, and a lot of that's Mike Tomlin, too. It's not just Big Ben. But uh, that, that duo, again, is what you hope you're going to get. Um, and, and not just that, but Big Ben really exemplified Pittsburgh. You know, tall, tough, gritty, hardworking – you know lunch pail type type dudes i mean it's always fun when the quarterback kind of matches your team's persona you know like the chargers are in um you know los angeles now and their quarterback's got the long wavy surfer hair you know and he just look he just looks like the chargers quarterback you know or but uh, a guy like big ben I mean, you look at he, that is the steelers you know that's just what the steelers quarterback looks like to me you know and uh and yeah, it's, it's been a fun career to watch. I think that um kind of like you said, you know, the last couple of years the train's kind of come off the tracks, you know. He hasn't been as impressive. You had know, the injury year and in like 5,000 yards in 2018, you know. So uh, up until that point, it was looking pretty good, but um over the last couple of years, you know, the it's definitely waned. You can tell it was time to hang it up. I mean, last night, you know, 24 for 46 for 123 yards. That's uh the 1.75 yards in the air on his passes is the fewest in the NFL with, with any game with over 45 attempts. So you can tell like the the offense is kind of crafted around. Well, you said it speaks to his leadership when the rest of the team goes out there and plays like animals, you know, Najee Harris comes out and just run, I mean, just murders people in the field. Uh, You know, Watts back there, just, just catching bodies. Like, you know, it's going out of style. I mean, when your team responds like that, for you knowing it's your last game and all the pageantry that came along with it, I mean, the Steelers knew what that game was about. They knew, they weren't going to go out there and lose to the Browns in that game. You had sixty-something thousand people all there to see Ben's last game. I mean, they weren't going they weren't about to go out there and let him down like that. And that really speaks to what kind of leader he was on the field. And every day that goes on, you know, we talk about guys like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and all the, the heyday of the Steelers, you know, that that's kind of the second half of their run with big Ben, that sort of team, the nonsense that him and Tomlin put up with and still crafted year after year, these long winning seasons, these playoff runs, these 10, 12, 13 win seasons, AFC title runs, you know, that's, that's impressive. And, um, I think my biggest Ben memory, like most people, will probably be that throw, uh, in the Super Bowl against the Cardinals, um, to, uh, San
0: Antonio to Holmes,
1: San Antonio Holmes. Yeah. I was once the Hines War, but it was when him, um, yeah, that, that kind of throw was really, I mean, that, that's just where you think, yeah, that's the Steelers right there. And, you know, some fun games, it, they've been a big rival of Jacksonville. So it's, that, that rivalry is always fun. And, um, you know, it's, it's enough wins to call it a rivalry in like most of our games. So definitely a uh, a guy that you're going to remember for for a long time. And I, like you said, I think he's going to walk into the Hall of Fame, no doubt. Fifth in all-time passing yards, fifth in completions. He's eighth in touchdowns. If they actually get to play like uh, at least one more playoff game, he can get away to fifth. He is uh, three behind Dan Marino and uh, four behind Phillip Rivers. So knocking on that door as well. So, yeah, walk into the Hall of Fame and all that. It's, it's you know.
0: I, and I just I just have to say in closing, you know, I'm getting to that age where, uh, you know, some of these guys that are starting to hang it up like Big Ben, you know, I've seen him from start to finish and vividly. And I can I can remember to this day, the first time he stepped on the field back in um, 2004, week two against the Baltimore Ravens, Tommy Maddox, you know, goes down with an injury. Big Ben comes in, plays like an absolute rookie, you know, throws, I want to say he threw. I know he threw two picks. One of them was a pick six, but he threw two touchdowns and he showed that he, he could play. And I knew right then just from watching out, I was like, oh, this guy's great. This guy's going to be great. He went undefeated as a starter that season as a rookie, you know, ended up losing to the Patriots in the divisional round, I believe. Uh, but then next year they win a Super Bowl and you just knew like he he was that guy. So you know what, what, what it is—it has been a privilege just to watch it from start to finish, and see a Hall of Fame career right, right before my very eyes.
1: All right, Jay. We're gonna stay in the NFL a little bit longer. We're gonna go over the Week Seventeen NFL recap. It was a big weekend. You know, you had all these teams talking for playoff position. Most of them still in it, at least in sub degree, and uh, a lot of dreams were dashed, but a lot were, you know, kind of solidified with some divisions clinched and all that. So we're just gonna go back over Week Seventeen and give me some of the games that kind of really jumped off the page at you uh, from the weekend.
0: I thought uh, I thought Chiefs and Bengals. That was a game of real consequence in the AFC. Uh, The Bengals able to lock up the AFC North with that victory. The Chiefs, uh, you know, relinquishing control of the one seed. Now it's in control. Uh, Tennessee Titans control their own destiny in that regard. I think that was a big loss uh, for Kansas City. Equally is a big win for Cincinnati because, you know, it's kind of verification on, you know, uh, the great strides they've made this season. Really impressive, you know, we thought coming into this season, you know, you got so many teams, with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson and Baker and uh excuse me no not Baker Mayfield but Cleveland and just all the things they can do outside of Baker Mayfield because we see how well that's going and then Pittsburgh with Big Ben and all the rest of them Mike Tomlin and it's just it's it's um I think it's impressive for Cincinnati to beat a team that rose um out of that fray all those teams had different issues this year Cincinnati definitely benefited from them but um you know, if these two teams play again, Kansas City got to figure out something better to do with Jamar Chase. Uh, you can't have a third and 26 and get Moss for 30 yards. You just can't do it. Um, so they got to they gotta figure that out. But, uh, you know, Kansas City, they had won, what, eight straight games, I believe. So they were due to maybe, you know, have a hiccup. Um, Cincinnati definitely ready to go in this one. They played them well. Uh, but, I you know, I do think if this, these two teams met up again, I definitely lean Kansas City, all their experience and all that. Uh, Andy Reid, Zach Taylor, uh, give me a break. So, uh, yeah, impressive for Cincinnati, but um, you know, I, I wouldn't panic about it if I'm Kansas City. You'll get healthy on Saturday against Denver. I don't know why they bothered putting that game on national TV, but they did. Anyways, uh, the, now the Rams and Ravens. I got to give credit to Jim Har, uh, oh, John Harbaugh. This is John we're talking about with Baltimore. Uh, listen, I don't know how. I don't even know how he be doing this. The, the Ravens have been just an injury waiting to happen all season. They uh, Lamar Jackson was getting by with all the heroics, you know, the first half of the season. They were winning, you know, all these close games. It's flipped the second half of the year. Now, Lamar Jackson's injury, obviously a big deal with that, but I think Tyler Huntley's played pretty well for him. Um, he actually, to my mind, he looks more comfortable throwing the football from the pocket than Lamar Jackson. But anyway, uh, but I just, this game was curious because I expected the Rams to go in here and just lay the wood to Baltimore, and they did not. I don't understand, uh, and they, uh, the Rams did get their act together against the Cardinals a couple weeks ago. That was a big win to just prove, hey, we can still do this, guys. They've been flopping around for weeks after they just continually add players over and over and over with uh, Von Miller, Odell Beckham, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just don't understand how they seem to be struggling more often after they accumulate all this talent it just doesn't make sense they don't appear to be playing their best football right now and that's got to be worrisome hopefully they can get together uh next week and then you know in closing bears and giants and you got to wonder why i'm even bothering uh with this game because i don't know why anyone would bother but since joe judge wants to take time out of his day and the media's time to go on a 10-minute rant about uh, how the Giants are not a clown car organization or whatever. Uh, let me take this opportunity to disagree with him because they are a clown show, they, they stink. And uh, Joe Judge, I gotta, d- listen, you're gonna be judged on wins and losses. Nobody cares about the culture you're building if the culture is gonna take the next 10 years because you can have the best culture in the world. Are you gonna win games? And I'm gonna go with probably not because you have Daniel Jones. He's got a neck injury. Mike Glennon just got a big ass neck. So I don't know what. It's just this ain't working. Oh, no. I don't think the GM is gonna be around next year, or at least if the owner is no. anyway cognitively functioning at all, he should get him on out of here because he's got to be held responsible to this Daniel Jones mess. Which I don't know who out here is defending Daniel Jones at this point. He's not good. He wasn't good at duke and if you watch any clips or any tape of duke playing virginia you would know that so but yeah joe judge telling us in the media about hey it takes time we're building a culture and all this no okay build your culture you can talk about culture all you want to and all the guys hey yeah all the guys believe in him yeah well the bears must have believed in matt Nagy because that's another dude who about to get fired and somehow they outplaying you 29-3. to The Bears ain't that good. They're not 26 points better than you, Giants, but then again, maybe they are. They've ruined Saquon Barkley, too. That's a travesty we don't talk enough about. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, rough uh, rough sledding for them, we were watching I was watching the game and the Mike Clinton stat line, you know, it was like zero one with a pick and it just it never got better. Second so quarter, third quarter, four. It was just like the same just atrocious stat line that just never improved. It was a uh, very very tragic. Um yeah. Uh, Titans Dolphins was one that jumped out at me, man. I mean, uh, my gosh, you know, the dolphins come in when an eight straight, just red hot. I mean, just everything's going right. Like you say, you know I mean? The, 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 team, everything is better when you've won that many games in a row, the cafeteria food tastes better. I mean, everything is just going their way. I, I get it. You know, maybe not the most impressive teams they have beat, but even great teams lost some bad teams this year. Cardinals, lions, take your pick, you know, the Jaguars won a game or two. I mean, it, it happens. And then, they show up and get absolutely dumpstered by the Titans. And I mean, this is a Titans team that has Ryan Tannehill and that's and AJ Brown. And that was pretty much it. I mean, Derrick Henry's out uh, Julio didn't, didn't play or didn't have a catch um, in the game. And, and yet you have this incredibly injured, like 88 different players for the Titans have started a game and they go out there and just destroy you. I mean, it's not even like Ryan Tannehill had some superhuman game. He was 13 of 18 for 120 yards. I mean, they just, they ran the ball over him and forced a bunch of turnovers and two is throwing picks and they're just fumbling and whatever else. And uh, and it is just, it's crazy. I mean, it, it, it took that entire Miami feel good story and just, just completely crapped on it. And this right back to, I don't know. Is two of the guy. I don't know. What are we doing here? I don't know. Is Brian Flores the guy? I don't know. Like it's amazing how all that goodwill built up. They had a playoff chance coming into the game. I mean, they were literally in the playoff hunt and they just get absolutely railroaded out of the building by the Titans uh, who are now, unfortunately the first seed. And it, it, it pains my soul to say that I am so sad that I have to talk these guys up, man, the coaching job that they're doing is it's, it's, It's impressive. And Derrick Henry might come back. Who knows? Not, not, not great for the rest of the league. Uh, One of those classic don't want to play in teams in the playoffs, Uh, but I guess you're the first seed that doesn't really uh, qualify. Uh, Some other, another disappointments, uh, Raiders, Colt, Colt's laid an egg, man. I mean, you you can't be losing to the Raiders at home with the playoffs on the line. You know, I get Carson Wentz. I've been out screwing around whatever he's doing. He comes back and just looks really pedestrian. I mean, if you were going to have a Carson Wentz quote unquote game, this was not the game to do it. And it's really odd because, they played fairly well. Otherwise, I mean, Jonathan Taylor got his twenty carries, one hundred eight yards. He's right on schedule, and I think it's the first game they've lost with Jonathan Taylor having over hundred yards this year. As basically, it was like if he had hundred yards, they won. They did, he didn't. They lost. And um, despite as a team running the ball really well, they just couldn't figure out a way to close that game out. And it makes you wonder because of all the playoff teams that maybe aren't top seeds, the Colts are one of the teams you think maybe this is a team that we don't want to see in the playoffs. But then they can't even get it done against the Raiders, all the guys they got hurt, you know, and, and all the nonsense they deal with on a regular basis. Uh, and yet they were able to go in there on the road, win a big game. So Colts, another one that just you shouldn't have let them down. And uh shout out to the Eagles. The Eagles are the third team that really kind of jumped off. They clinched a playoff spot with that win. Uh, here's Jalen Hurts out there just getting it done. I mean, he wasn't super impressive in the box score, but you know what? They made the plays. They had to make the win. They, you know, they just did what they had to do to go into Washington and get a win and get in the playoffs. And for all the criticism and all the questionable decisions, you know, all Jalen Hurts has done since he's been in the league is lead the team and win. And the man has fans falling on him after the game. And he's able to go out there and still, you know, be a leader on the field, off the field. He's taking pictures of these people. I mean, he just, he, Hurst is that dude you always want to root for. I- I'm skeptical, have been. I mean, I'm still not completely convinced, obviously, but man, it's cool to see him go up there and lead them to that nine and seven record because you got to remember they were a team that was a popular pick to be the worst team in the NFL. I mean, the, the preseason betting odds, they were among the highest picked teams. You yeah, have the worst record. And here they are, nine and seven. It- it's pretty good stuff. And finally, quick shout out to the Jags. Great job. Great job. That's all I got to say. Good job, guys. Just
0: well done all right we now move to the college football playoff uh, that we've been anticipating for weeks i was waiting to get all through the um the mayonnaise bowl and potato bowl and all the bowls that i don't care about just for the college football playoff and then the college football playoff got here and uh it was just uh one blowout after another now in the first game we uh not all that unusual because it was cincinnati coming in Uh, you know the first group of five team to make college football playoff they were playing the crimson tide alabama alabama ends up winning that one 27-6 but uh it was not the easiest of games but they did impose their will against the the bearcats uh what were your thoughts on that game
1: yeah man um this is the become the kind of the quintessential alabama performance which is whatever they need to do right like I think what's so impressive about Alabama, especially the last couple of years, I mean, is you can see her all day and just gush over how wonderful they are. Right. But like what you've seen recently from Nick Saban, and these teams is they beat you however they need to beat you. It's not like they come in and say, OK, we are a team that does X, Y and Z. And that's what we're going to do regardless. They come in, and just look at your roster and go, got a good, got a good rushing defense. Got it. You know, OK, all right. We'll just throw the ball. And then they look at Cincinnati and they go. Oh, all your linemen are twenty pounds lighter than ours, and you know whatever. Okay, we'll just bulldoze you over. Like
0: you got, okay, you got whatever. good, you got good yeah. corners.
1: Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Because I think when Alabama they looked at this matchup, they looked at the rosters and they said, okay, Cincinnati has plus athletes at corner, and that's it. So they said, okay, well, we're not going to throw to Gardner, we're not going to throw to Bryant. We'll just not worry about those guys. We'll just line up and we will run it down their throat and then we'll set up play action and we'll get our guys in good matchups. We'll move Jameson Williams around and guys like him, we'll get him in good positions and we'll just beat you that way. And that's exactly what they did. And I think, if you're Cincinnati, see, a lot of times you look back on these games, you're the underdog. you, gosh, man, we had one or two of those plays, or we just had, you know, something would have broke our way. And I think there was a point in this game that maybe that happened for Cincinnati, but I think the bigger thing was if you're if you're them, you have to think, gosh, man, we did our best. I mean, we went in there. We were solid. they were solid. They were sound. They tackled. They didn't turn the ball over. You know, they weren't out there just. Flying around, you know, doing something like I, I feel like every player came in there with a good idea of what they were supposed to do. They did their job to their degree. But the reality is Alabama just recruits far better players. If you were listing the best players in Alabama and Cincinnati in order, you would be Alabama and you know, the, the two defensive backs, maybe Riddler or Ritter, would be near the top. It, but then, like you would have 79 Alabama guys before you got to the next Cincinnati guy. And it's just that's, that's just the reality of it, you know. And I, I think that Cincinnati can say, well, gosh, we, we played a solid game, but a couple things that go their way and it just never felt like Alabama was even threatened. And I guess what we all expected. You know, Bryce Young was kind of whatever. I mean, I yeah, threw three touchdowns, but it wasn't like that Georgia performance or, you know, in the sec title where you're just like, Oh my gosh, this guy, holy crap. It was just like, a, he did what he had to do. Of course, Brian Robinson stole the show over 200 yards, 7.8 yards rush. I mean, gosh, but, um, but yeah, I think that's the that's kind of become the new Alabama thing. They they play more defense now, you know, Will Anderson out there running around with a bunch of guys. But the other day it was line of scrimmage. It was literally the line of scrimmage, offensive and defensive line. Alabama was better. They had better players. And the only thing I would say since Cincinnati can can look back and go, gosh, I wish we would have was maybe a little more offensive creativity. There, a little more trickery, a little more like you know, pick plays or, or just something to really kind of empty the playbook. You know, I don't feel like they really did that. They kind of played a little more conservative, like they thought they were going to stay in the game. And yeah, the scoreboard, it was never a complete route to the end of the, until the fourth quarter, but it never felt like they were actually in it either. So, so yeah, I mean, I mean, this is just what Alabama does and they're heading back to where they were probably going to be the whole time.
0: Yeah. The, um, you know, last week before this game, I uh, had me and Drink were talking, and I, the questions I had, for really for both game for for this one, and it go it goes to the second game as well. Was but could it, can an AAC you know front line, you know me, you know hold up against an SEC big line in Alabama in this one? Uh, no, and I didn't think I, I didn't I thought no was the answer, but that was the question because in my mind, if Cincinnati, if you can compete up front then you have a chance if you can't you don't have a chance and that ended up that ended up being the story um and Alabama and Alabama knew that and to their credit as you say and I think uh, I think you're absolutely right Alabama um led by Nick Saban you know they go you know they're going to exploit whatever weakness you have um they didn't uh, they didn't go at uh Kobe Bryant and uh, uh Sauce Gardner the the two outstanding corners um you even look at um I think the first touchdown pass they threw they went I think they they had Gardner had a receiver that he was lined up with and then they went uh, trips to the other side and went that way you know so they they ran a, they ran the ball 10 times to start the game before they threw a pass um, so they came out with a plan they said look we're bigger we're more physical we're gonna do that and that was and that was pretty much the the long and short of it Brian Robinson um, obviously the benefactor and I thought he was outstanding himself and he was, it was the same story for Brian Robinson, you know, the Cincinnati guys coming at him, like they could never push him back. He was always falling for, for two, three extra yards. Um, so that they were, so Alabama was able to dictate the game that way. But I thought even with that, uh, Bryce Young had it. I mean, he threw three touchdowns, but he's, he had a tough time. Like everything Bryce Young and that and that offense got, they earned. Um, Jamison Williams you mentioned how uh, you know they were doing a lot of different things with him they were moving him around they probably they had him more doing the John Metchie thing catching some of those inside short throws convert some third downs for you uh, but even so that's Jamison Williams and they never let him get loose for a big one um, as we've seen him do so many times this year uh, so I, I still think like I, I'm, I'm with you I think Cincinnati even though the final score looks kind of ugly Cincinnati, they didn't come in here and embarrass themselves. You know, this whole notion that, you know, a group of five team can't do it. I mean, they probably can't do it, but um, you got to think, you got to think of it like this. Cincinnati definitely deserved to be in this game in my estimation. And you got to think, who else would have like you put in here that would have given Bama a game? Because Bama's great. Bama is just, they're that good. Um, and that's the unfortunate thing. If a group of five team was going to make it, it was probably as the four seed and you'd have to play the best team in the country. And we thought Georgia a couple weeks ago was the best team in the country. And uh, and we, we saw what Alabama did to Georgia. They smoked them, you know, completely. So, you know, unfortunate for Cincinnati that they had to play Bama, but that's the way it goes. You want to you be the best, you got to beat the best. And um, I do agree, there's, there's not many points where you look at that game and say, man, Cincinnati, they, they really let that one get away. No, you just got beat up. The I only, would say the
1: only the you're probably about to say it, the, yeah, the, the 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 guy that ran the slants twice in the yeah, end zone.
0: And, Alabama, yeah, Alabama scores on the first drive, and we're like right. that. That to me was like it. It was like okay, they they too small. They just get pushed around, and if that's the way it's going to be, that's it. Now the only thing in in, in the flip side of that, okay, look, well let's see what Cincinnati's offense can do. Can they go down the field and can they score the ball? And they went down the field, and then you have a slant pass batted down and then they ran the same exact action and they threw it just high and the guy couldn't come down with it. So, you know, you settle for a field goal and then, but that was really, the offense had a lot of trouble after that. And I thought that if there was one more point I would point to, it was, you're had you in a 10-3 game, it's late in the first half, and you let Alabama go six plays, 94 yards. And that's when they hit the big one, the Ja'Cory Brooks. So then now you're in a 17 three hole and it feels like, you know, the way your, their offense was going, they didn't do anything the rest of the half and they struggled the entire second half. So yeah, those were the only two points where I said, man, they let one get away, but that, yeah, those two slant passes that they didn't convert, man, you you would like, I would like to see like how it played out, you know, if that went down, but the, the, the theme that stuck true the entire way was Brian Robinson just running the ball. And they, they never could stop it. And yeah, that was that was the difference.
1: Yeah. All right. We'll move on to the other semifinal matchup. You know, you had Georgia playing after that. And that's the game we all kind of thought, well, we could really get something here. Yeah, Georgia and Michigan. Uh well. Well, we didn't have it in this game either. Georgia absolutely clocked Michigan 34 to 11. And I mean, to be honest with you, it's not even as close as that indicates. I mean, this was a complete one sided just beat down. Uh, been at 20 to 30 for over 300 yards. So, uh, you know, was was Georgia just that good all along or did we maybe overvalue Michigan a little bit? Like, how, what do you think happened with this game?
0: Well, I think I think it's hard to say, but what I will say is just like I told, I said for the first game, can an AEC front line compete with an SEC front line? It's almost the same type deal. Now it is, it's the Big Ten, it's not the AEC, but can the Big Ten match up with the the SEC front line? And uh, I, I would say no, no, they could not. Now, now this one was just a, a disappointment because you could definitely like, you know. We weren't shocked that Alabama just, you know, beat Cincinnati that sound. That wasn't shocking. So I think for for most people, like this is the one, and especially this was the prime time. This is the one where you look at it and say, okay, now we guys are going. Two story programs coming in, ready to get it done. Ain't won nothing since the last century. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh it, that was this was a dud. This was a worse game than the first one, I believe. And uh to me. Uh, Michigan, uh, yeah, they, they had a great season, um, but they but when you talk about Nash being, competing nationally, yeah, they still got some work to do. It appears uh, because they got they got uh, they got embarrassed. You know, when you're down twenty-seven-three and at halftime, and you your defense didn't get a stop uh, that entire half. Yeah, you and look, I'm sorry, but this this is Stetson Bennett. And I know Stetson Bennett out here with the three uh, the the three hundred thirteen yards and three touchdowns and just lighting your defense up. And I'm just wondering, like, how Michigan though? That's the same. Y'all beat Ohio State, so what are y'all doing now? I really have to know. And I should have should have went out on the streets of the main streets of Ann Arbor and talked to the Wolverine fans and said, Are you really? Are you okay with this result? Because I'll be honest, if I'm thinking I'm a Michigan fan, I think I'm probably okay because you ain't beat Ohio State in years. Mm -hmm. And but you you finally did that and you won the Big Ten. So to me, I'd probably be okay. You know, I'm not pleased, but like uh, we had a good year. We'll get them next year because they haven't had just making a college football playoff. Uh, Jim Harbaugh just bought himself another couple years of just being left alone because he's been getting eaten alive for years now, myself included. I've been on him and uh, he surprised me this year at what he was able to do. But um, you know, for the the question about was Georgia this good? uh, The terrible way to answer this, but yes and no. And I say yeah, I say no because the thing about it is, the thing about the Bama game that was so um, you know insightful, if you look at who Georgia played the entire season? Not really who they played, but the quarterbacks they went against. Mm-hmm. They played Bryce Young, and Bryce Young ate them up. No other quarterbacks they played. You know the best quarterback is probably Hendon Hooker from Tennessee for the rest for the uh, the rest of the year. So they didn't really play a quarterback that could like strike fear into you. And so when I looked after the Bama game, I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. Bryce Young is that dude, and I, you know, he's the Number one pick whenever he come out, just go ahead and book it right now. But now if you're Georgia and you look at who you're playing, you're playing against Michigan. And uh, yeah, who is this? Uh, McNamara and McCarthy. If you got two quarterbacks that start their name with uh, Mick, that you don't have a quarterback as you can well tell because this, this was awful, man. I, and it's a shame because Desmond Ritter was the second best quarterback in this playoff and he and he played for Cincinnati if Desmond Ritter played for Georgia then I'd probably be a little bit more confident in Georgia and even though Stetson Bennett played well in this game I'm not confident in Georgia because I just saw this a couple weeks ago so I think um look Georgia is as advertised I think they're still a great football team with a great defense, and I love the running backs that they can trot out there with Samir White and James Cook and all the rest. Uh, and Brock Bowers, Brock Bowers is just out here getting it done. I don't even know how he's doing it, but he is. Uh, but you know, uh, it, to me, the biggest underlying factor of this was this game was a dud, man. That. I, I didn't even pay attention to this game after halftime because that's how lopsided it was. And it that this was the game that we was looking forward to. So it's just a shame that after all the bowls that don't matter and don't really have any, they're, they're not of consequence. They're just they're just shows. They're just money, they're just cash cows, just making money. We out here watching somebody get mayonnaise dumped on them. You know, like this was one we wanted. I wanted it to be a go and it was not. SEC all the way.
1: Yeah, I was, was funny. After the SEC title game, I was listening to some local radio driving around, and they had, I want to say it was Shane Black on. He's a Gators quarterback. He does uh, sports coverage and stuff. And he had the completely contrarian take that it was not Stetson's been his fault. They had lost the SEC. This was right after the game, like right after, the day after. And I was driving around, and I'm like, I don't know, man. That sounds pretty whack. You know, Stetson wasn't great. But you look at this, and you go, OK, well, if he could do this to a pretty good defense in Michigan, I mean, they're not world beaters, but they're certainly a very you know solid defense. You know, they, have, they have a guy that may go first overall next year in the April's draft. You know, like wh- where was this against Alabama? I mean, the 20 at 30 for 313, he was throwing some absolute dime. He was just setting it on people, you know, and he had some speed. He got away from some defenders. I mean, it's like, OK, OK is this just is this the anomaly was the Alabama game the anomaly you know was it just the rest of Georgia played so bad and they were so just just haunted by the ghost of Alabama they all just forgot how to play football because this is the Georgia defense also that we saw all year like you said you know another offense that isn't great but certainly Michigan has scored some points this year they're decently well coached I mean it's not like you were playing a complete you know turn of an they had three points the game think, before the game didn't
0: matter. Yeah, and I think and I think the difference is just like I said. Like to me, Alabama wins because of Bryce Young. Georgia wins because of their defense, and that's why I put more of it on the defense. I think Stetson Bennett played pretty well in the SEC title game, but the difference right. is Bryce Young is clearly a better quarterback. You know, so Georgia's strength is their defense, and that's why that matchup, that rematch, it's going to be about can Georgia's defense be better. But again, the thing about it is, Michigan, as much respect as we have for them, and they deserve to be here, they had a great season, but they, they are a one-dimensional team. They run the ball. These quarterbacks, McNamara and McCarthy, aren't they not it. So, it, 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 and when you're doing that and you're playing quarterbacks that can't hurt you, I mean, Georgia's defense, you can just, you know, when you kind of, when a team is that, when a lot of these teams are one-dimensional and don't have elite quarterbacks, It makes a a good defense look like, well, it makes a great defense look like an all time great defense and against Alabama with an elite quarterback. I mean, Bryce Young showed, hey, I I got something for you. Your defense ain't as great as you think it is.
1: Yeah, and I'll say for Georgia, too, um, one of the things I really like to see as far as them taking the next step is I think Kirby Smart is becoming a better game day coach. That's, that's one of my biggest complaints about Kirby Smart. I mean, yeah, obviously, he's a world-class recruiter, no doubt about that. I mean, he's beating Nick Saban in recruiting a lot of years, but he's such a – he was such a eh, game day coach. We I mean, remember all the blunders that's cost him big games. And I think those are going away. Georgia's playing more complete games. Yeah, you know, they're not really losing on bonehead coaching decisions. Yeah. And some of these coordinators he's gotten. I mean, Todd Munkin was dialing it up in that game. I mean, he really called a hell of a game on offense. And obviously, you know, Kirby Smart is a big hand in the defense. But the defense is what they are uh, in large part because of him. So, if you're a Georgia fan, you, I think you're decently confident because it's hard to beat the same team twice in, in the span of like a month. But there's still going to be some doubt in the back of your head, but getting this much more vintage performance was definitely nice to see. And I mean, it was on, you know, both sides of the ball, they took Aiden Hutchinson and made him a non-factor guy, had three right, tackles yeah. or four or whatever. I mean, that's that could be the first overall pick and he was a complete non-factor I mean, they schemed him out of the game. They schemed their guys open. It was, it was one of the big things was it was a coaching route on both sides of the ball. But like you said, overall, this was just disappointing. I mean, I think we all knew the Alabama game. There was some morbid curiosity, but we knew, I mean, what was probably going to happen. But this game was – you were hoping this was going to be a good one. And you look back on all these college football semifinals, man, there's one dud every year, and many years are two duds, and – People talk all about the expansion of the playoffs, and that's another topic for another day, but this is not helping. I mean, these games like this are not furthering the cause in that. So hopefully these games start getting better, but so far, no. And you would think this one would have been one, and, well, we get 34-3 to 3 when the game matters. All right, time finish off with rapid reaction. A lot of topics and a little bit of time. Take it away.
0: All right. Yesterday, Oklahoma quarterback Caleb Williams announced he is entering the transfer portal, but says he will keep a return to the Sooners as an option. You think he's coming back to Oklahoma?
1: Uh, I do not, because I think we saw that Dylan Gabriel uh, was he flipped from UCLA out to Oklahoma. So, I mean, Caleb Williams is right. You have to enter the portal to talk to other coaches and stuff, which kind of sucks. But this is kind of the this is the. You know, the, the second half of all the give the players freedom, give them money, give them this, give them that. Well, now you have college football free agency. I would be amazed if he does not go to USC um, because, I mean, why else, where else would he go? Right? <laughs> you know, while, follow your coach out to uh, sunny Southern California. That's what I would do. All right. Memphis Grizzlies guard Desmond Bain says the John Morant All-Star game isn't the real question people should be talking about. Instead, Bain believes the question should be, is Morant the best point guard in the league? Is he the best point guard in the league?
0: No, no, it's not. Desmond Bain over here biting off more than he can chew. But you he look, he's he's over here promoting this boy. I get it. And John Moran's having an outstanding season. Uh, but it, look, this is Steph Curry. Don't worry about it. That's the long and short. But what I will say is, um, if you're Memphis, you loving this. And I'm not blaming New Orleans for none of this. But uh, John Moran's out here doing this. And he's cooking Brooklyn last night in Brooklyn. And uh, uh, we can't even find Zion. We don't even know where he is and he ain't played a game yet. So that's all I'm saying. Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup has a chance to break the NFL record for most receptions and receiving yards in a single season, but says he doesn't think breaking the records in 17 games would hold quite the same weight. Uh, You agree with him? I
1: I think so to a degree. I think the record books are just going to have to have an asterisk. It's really that simple. I think the only thing we can say is most guys aren't going to play full all 17 games. So it kind of gives you a bit of a cushion to say like, oh, I would have broke the record if I didn't get hurt that one week. Now you get a little bit of a cushion, miss a game, bad ankle, whatever. You can still have a chance to break a season record as it stands. But yeah, I think in, in the exceptions that guys do truly play all 17 games and they're fully healthy throughout the entirety of the season. Is, is going to have to have an asterisk because there is an extra game. So I, I think that it's it's nice to see these guys are acknowledging that and making it a point to talk about. Utah Jazz coach Quinn Snyder endorsed Golden State Warriors for Draymond Green for MVP consideration. And naturally, you know, Green agreed. At the season ended today, would you give Draymond MVP votes?
0: No, no, I, I would not. Uh, I, I like Draymond, I like what he brings to the table. He does a lot for that team. But nobody averaging eight points a game is winning MVP. I, I, I'm sorry. But and you also have to think of it like this. What would Draymond Green be without the Splash Brothers? You get just gotta think about that. Everything Draymond does offensively, especially, is predicated by defensive teams, blitzing blitzing Steph off pick and rolls. And then Draymond gets to play four on three every, every game. So yeah, the end. More Warriors news as the highly anticipated return of the Splash Brother Clay Thompson could happen this Sunday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. You looking forward to this?
1: Oh yeah, I've never been the guy that like hates winning and like all these dynasties and stuff. Like, oh, I'm so sick of Clay and stuff. Like, I want to see more of that. They, it sucks that he's been so hurt the last two years. I really hope he at least can come back and be healthy. And he's had plenty of time off because um, uh, it's a lot of fun when those guys are cooking together. And Lord, if he is anything like he was. Uh, before the injuries, the rest of the NBA better uh, be looking out. Cincinnati Bearcats cornerback Ahmad Sauce Gardner will forego his final season of college eligibility and enter the NFL draft. Which NFL team do you think should select him?
0: Well, they are uh, based on the reviews and the draft analysis I've seen. It says that the guy really excels in zone coverage. And uh, I don't know, maybe the Seattle Seahawks, they'll take a break from drafting linebackers and they'll get a cornerback, maybe replace Richard Sherman. I don't know. That's just something I'm throwing out there. But, uh, yeah, I think I mean, if he's that good in zone and Pete Carroll is going to stick around there, we know how he likes to play that cover three. So, um, you know, yeah, maybe that would be a good spot for <laughs> for him to hit him with the sauce, as they say. Yesterday, Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett says he's not trying to be some kind of savior for the Bulldogs, who haven't won a national title in 41 years. And that's a good thing because uh, I don't think uh, anyone expects him to be that. Uh, you okay with this approach, right?
1: Well, it's the approach you have to have, you know? I mean, you have that kind of pressure on you because he's clearly going to be the guy in the national championship game. I mean, if he would have came out late against Michigan, maybe you would have seen like JT Daniels or somebody else come in. Um, but with that performance, he has to be the guy that starts against Alabama uh, in a couple days. So you've definitely you've got the pressure because i mean georgia that's the one thing they can't say that everyone else that's in the blue bloods of the college football ranks recently can say i mean people were using phone books last time georgia won a national championship so yeah there's some pressure whether he likes it or not but it's good to say hey i'm sure I'm to play football i ain't trying to save the world or whatever so good stuff there louisville plans to retire the jersey of former all-american guard russ smith who led the team to two final fours in the 2013 national title which was later vacated do you see this as a well-deserved honor
0: yeah, I do. Even though the national title got revoked and all that, I mean, he still had you know a legendary career, averaged eighteen points a game his final two seasons, uh, All American, uh, just one one of the best scorers in the game at that at uh, at that time. So yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I think he deserves this. Two months after Henry Ruggs was involved in a fatal car crash that included driving under the influence, Raiders cornerback Nate Hobbs was arrested for a misdemeanor DUI. I missed the part where those became misdemeanors. Anyway, explain to me why it's is always the Raiders.
1: You know, I'll just say whoever came up with the idea to put an NFL team in Las Vegas, <laughs> maybe in hindsight, that wasn't the best idea, but I'll also say without any coaches currently present, you know, what, what can we expect? I mean, guys, you're not in the playoffs yet. So let's just relax and maybe go celebrate, but, Stop drinking and driving. Just stop it. Okay. Just stop. All right. Last one. The Washington football team says it will announce its new name on February 2nd. Uh,
0: Which name should they go with, Jay? I got, I really have to ask a question. How is football team one of the eight finalists? So you mean to tell me they put, they say we're going to announce a new name on February 2nd, but football team is one of the finalists. So you could technically not pick a new name and still do this. I, it just confuses me. I would go, um, you know, cause I, of course I don't have a serious answer for this, but I would go presidents. I, I think they're performing as well. Um, you know, uh, uh, they're performing as well as, you know, what <laughs> we have right now. So that, that's, where, that's where <laughs> no. I'll go with it. Be the Washington presidents. Who cares? Anyway, that concludes tonight's drink okay. of wisdom. As always like, listen, share, subscribe. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jay Watts.
1: And I'm Cody Ward.